0: Welcome to a new episode of the Film at Lincoln Center podcast. This week, we're featuring a special archival Q and A from the 39th New Directors New Films in 2010 on "I Am Love" with director Luca Guadagnino. Luca Guadagnino returns to Film at Lincoln Center for this year's 60th anniversary edition of the New York Film Festival, with the spotlight selection Bones and All, a work of both tender fragility and feral intensity, setting horror and runaway romance against a vividly textured Americana, featuring Taylor Russell and Timothy Chalamet as lovers with an insatiable and dangerous desire. Tickets to NYFF 60, which takes place from September 30th to October 16th, are now on sale. Don't miss screenings of Bones and All on October 6th, followed by Q&A with Guadagnino, 8th and 11th. Get tickets at filmlink.org NYFF.
1: And I guess I'll start at the beginning. When I read in the credits that this is, you had many collaborators on the screenplay, I think, but written from a story, your story. Can you talk about sort of the process from the story that you either wrote or created and through the whole writing process of the screenplay into getting the film made? I mean, was there a long period of time or was was the story sort of in your head as you were writing the screenplay? Can you talk about that?
2: Uh, The the actual story was exactly what is it now uh, when I wrote it in the first place, I would say, in 2002. Um, The story came out of uh, many different... uh, uh influences sorry sorry
1: okay we'll keep them
2: close to our lips sorry and uh, it came out uh, from a fi- a short film i did with tilda swinton called the love factory which uh, is a portrait of tilda in which she com- she has a conversation with me about her vision of love and uh, also uh, it was a sort of uh, uh, mm, uh, it was my uh, effort in trying to do my personal version of the Budenbrock uh, <laughs> I know this is extremely pretentious <laughs> to say um, but I go ahead Okay. and, uh, but, and afterwards I, I, I started to wrote the, I wrote the script with three different writers separated to each other and, uh, you
1: usually do that, you use so many writers, that it's interesting that there was a long, a lot of collaborating.
2: The first draft we wrote, actually the first three drafts we wrote, I wrote it with Barbara Alberti, the glorious screenwriter of The Night Porter. And um, it was a bit too literate for me. It was too extensive. And I had to undersize it in a way to make it much more practical about people who work. That was what I wanted to to do, to have a very matter-of-fact kind of uh, life for the characters. And I approached another writer which um, tried to simplify the work of Barbara, and then the third writer is my editor, a very dear friend of mine, who I uh, worked with a few months before starting prepping the movie, to really try to give the pace at the movie before shooting it.
1: And you said that, of course, you'd made another movie with Tilda Swint, and you've known her for a number of years, so I'm going to presume that you wrote this with her in mind. Yes. And uh, did you write with any of the other actors in mind, or was it um, mostly for Tilda? It was for
2: Tilda and for Alvaro Vacker, who plays Betta. I think they are perfectly matched. They look very like Mother and daughter. Um, and uh, yeah that's it I th- I wrote for them and then I choose the other cast uh, all through the process of making the movie
1: uh, and so of course when everyone talks about this film we we, we talk about what the influences that we see I and mean, talk, people talk about Cirque, Douglas Cirque and Visconti um, and can you talk a little bit not necessarily in general about your influences in filmmaking but were, because as I see this film, I do see these influences, but I also see it as something that is very new, also. It's not just a, uh, it's not just copying what they did. But did you have in mind particularly to, to, to do references to say Visconti or Cirque or other, um, people who make great melodramas when you made this? Or did it just sort of turn out that way?
2: Uh, the The truth is that uh, I am an obsessive compulsive movie buff, uh, and I really look uh, watch a lot of movies uh, mm-hmm. and i 've been doing this since I was a kid and also I have a sort of like analytical attitude and I like to uh, not categorize but try to understand the big scheme <laughs> on things. Um, um, so there is a sort of uh, uh, unconscious influence that comes along, and then there was a lot of uh, uh, works from uh, people like Visconti, absolutely, or Antonioni, or uh, Hitchcock. And, par- and, and, and one particular movie by Johnny Houston that is The Dead, that we all studied, committing, like it, going back to the school, you know, like really trying to understand. And what we understood, we understood two things. First, all of these movies from these masters from the 50s and the 70s, what we can describe as the, con- the contempor- not contemporary, the modern cinema, not the classical, the modern era of filmmaking, those movies are incredible as... Entertaining pieces, but also as experimental pieces. The the way these masters play with the language of cinema is so really beyond compared to the depressing televisual quality of the last 20 years of filmmaking, I would say. Mm, So it was easy to say, let's try to be like them, let's try. I'm not saying that I am succeed, but let's try at least. To try to apply to filmmaking as a language that it, it has its own specific, I don't think that cinema is something that uh, should be generic. It's, very, it's something very specific, you know? And to try to make it generic, it's really not speaking that language.
1: I have more questions, but well, let's see. Let's let's get started in here before you run out of time. Yes, in the back. So he sees a Jewish uh, um, uh, sense in this—an Italian Jewish sort of film with with Tilda being a
2: Russian Jew.
1: Is she? Does it matter?
2: I, I like this version of the movie, so I would not reply to that. <laughs> no, <laughs> the reality is that the family is not Jewish And Tilda. I mean, I don't, I don't, I didn't mean to be Jewish. Tilda. The, there is a moment in which the two brothers confront each other in the in the factory, and one of the two says to the ideal, idealistic one, "Look, you are. You do you think that everything is uh, nice and tidy? But the reality is that this enterprise has been built." during the fascism and our grandfather that you see as a great uh, um, patron was dealing with the fascists and he exploited uh, Jewish uh, workers which is the opposite I would say.
1: Do you have any particular scene in here that was perhaps more difficult to film or that's just closer to your heart?
2: I change every day these things. (laughs) I don't know. I think there is a moment in the movie uh, uh, um, where you see Tilda Swinton Emma, uh, from above going toward the cook uh, with, with, the red, with the yellow carpet. This particular shot I'm very proud of because we are this is a very tiny little Italian movie with a very, we were broke in doing it. We still are. I am not from this uh, heritage. I'm, no, 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 no. So this, this is, is not American autobiographical, upper, okay. American <laughs> Apparel, it's not fancy.
1: I'm uh, dressed nicer.
2: <laughs> but uh, uh, that shot, we didn't have cranes in the movie. First, because I don't, th- I don't believe in tools for the sake of tools. This is like for people who have problems with their sexuality, I would say. Directors... <laughs> <with>. <laughs> So in that moment, probably I had a problem. I said, I have to go high. (laughs) So I said to my um, uh, key grip, I said, Massimo, great guy. I said, Massimo, I need to do this, but how do we do it? And he said, can you give me an hour? In a very tight, scheduled movie, an hour is a long time. So I had to say, "Uh, Okay. And he built with woods a, a ladder to put the camera above. That was great, and we shot all the people going toward the, from room, one room to the other, staging this passage. But we ended up using only that moment till the turning and going to there. And I think this very, this is a very strong moment that expresses much more than any close up you can do in that moment of this really turning point of the character toward uh, a new life, probably.
1: Now, so you say that this was created as, as you were there because I, I I wanted to ask you I mean this is the compositions of these shots are just so incredible and, and, and a lot of formalism I, I see in some of them did you um, you know storyboard this in advance or di- was there a lot of as you were making the film as you were shooting it getting shots ideas in your head and then going from there
2: it's the two things. I, I I I I do a lot of storyboards. I like extensive use of that, uh, and then I throw it in the in the in the bin. Because that gives confidence uh, to really, uh, as uh, Jean Renoir said, to leave the door open to reality in the set. This is key for any filmmakers, I would say. Otherwise, you make very cold movies. You know, like staged movies. But the storyboard thing is important because you you. You try to overcome the um, banality of your work, you know, because usually we are so much passive to images, to these uh, um mm, like really, really aggression of images that we are s- submitted by. You know, like we go everywhere we go, it's, I mean, you in New York particularly with all this screen everywhere, but all of us are like mm-hmm. hidden by this. And so it's like, as a director, I feel that the first, I mean, everything I think as a director, I mean, when I read a script that somebody gives to me, my film of that script, when I read it for the first time, is the most shallow and banal. It's so bad. It's like every other movie, because you have to go, beyond that. You have to really, so to do a storyboard, it's a way of discipline, you know, like to try to really, really not go into the the, uh, lazy direction. And then when you are exploring all the possibilities, you choose the right one. And usually, this moment is really in the set.
1: Uh, This is a question about the John Adams music. uh, it looks as the whole thing was truly scored, although there were pieces from Nixon in, in China. Uh, can you talk about the music and and working? He didn't. He did this the score for this, or all the music that's placed in
2: the music and the house. They, in a way, existed before I ever met these two elements. The way I describe the house in the script uh, it 's exactly the way you see the house in the reality and i found when I found this place called Villanecchi Campiglio, and the family is called Recchi, but before that uh, it 's a nice coincidence, I was completely oh my god over, uh, overwhelmed by this um, uh, match and when I got, I got I got five years ago a present from a great, uh, a great mentor of mine, the late uh, Gareth Wigan, who passed away, passed out a few months ago, a couple of months ago, and um, I got this CD from John Adams, Naive and Sentimental Music. And I put the CD, it was my birthday, I remember I was in Madrid, and I put this, and I was already working on I Am Love, the script, and I heard this music, and I said, oh my God, this is what I w- never heard, but this is what what I really look, look, was looking for. I don't feel comfortable in working with uh, composers of soundtrack, because uh, mm, it's a process too short for me. I don't understand how you can make a, a soundtrack in two, two, three weeks, when you have... Uh, musicians who work for years into a uh, composition. And also I don't like the idea that a composer arrives after the director, you know? Right. He composes after. It's sort a of, sort, of, sort of imposition of a personality over the movie that I don't think it's right for the movie. Um, and not because I want to control every aspect, but because the movie has a sort of um, a necessity of independence from the will of any of anyone else than the movie itself. I don't know if I express myself clearly, but sorry. Uh, and when I, re- I, when I heard John Adams, I became obsessed, and I started to study John Adams. I bought all the CDs I could. Um, I read the books. I went to see his operas. I remember an amazing <coughs> night in Verona watching Nixon in China with all these old ladies shocked still. By John Adams, uh, which is nice, um, and I started to rewrite the script to, on the music, to f- to try to find pieces of music to fit scenes. And on the, during the shoot, I we used the mu- to we used the music uh, loud like in a musical. You know, you were shooting on the music. Everybody were tuning them their work on the music till that yeah, the other actors and the the grip was pulling the camera at the same pace of the music, and so we were in problem. We were in danger because what if John Adams didn't want to uh, <laughs> allow us to use the music? Yeah. Mm, we could have. We we had to have uh, some Italian uh, uh, cheap composer on board. <laughs> I, if I think now, I'm scared of that. And then we approached Adams. Tilda wrote a mail to Adams. He, she she had somebody who knew him, and he was amazing. He said, "Oh, go ahead and show me the movie when you have it." And we showed the movie to Mr. Adams, and he said, "I like it. It's fantastic. Go ahead."
1: Why did she not break up with an Earl in the movie? Well, I don't
2: think that uh, Beta has an affair with Eva. But that's another fantastic movie. <laughs>
1: And we all, we all see in these things what we see let in these things. That, Let me say that, let me
2: thank uh, our dear f- my dear friend of Metrodome here. They are releasing the movie on the 18th of June. 18th Am I correct? of June. Yes.
1: Magnolia. You saw said Metrodome, logo. oh
2: my God, Metrodome is the UK release. Oh, I thought you said that. Magnolia, Magnolia. sorry. Sorry, Matt. Sorry. Matt. He,
1: only, he only deals with distributors whose names are given M. And uh, no, the fabulous people from Magnolia, many of whom are in the back, are releasing it on June 18th. <laughs> Uh, and I think at least one uh, theater will be the Lincoln Plaza over here. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So in The sunshine. Yes, oh, and the sunshine, exactly. Uh, so go see it again and tell all your friends. So, so we're always very happy we have films that have distribution. Are you picking? You pick, go ahead. Can you talk about the significance of that final shot that comes after we have a bit of the credits and then they're sort of in a cave?
2: Um... I like the idea that uh, each of the people who sees the movie, and I hope it's going to be a lot, they will figure out what is it. Uh, I have still to figure out. Uh, <laughs> you just liked it, so you, you yeah. yeah.
1: To whom is a film dedicated? dedicated? Oh, this is
2: a very sad story. Gianandrea uh, uh, Mutti, uh, he, he was, he is one of my greatest friends. He great cinephile. He uh, was. Uh, we were waiting him uh, to visit us on the set, uh, mid July, and he had a terrible incident, and he died during the shoot of the movie. Well, but I think uh, his spirit is in the
1: movie. Why did you? Why did you feel it important to shoot those certain scenes in London? There were some scenes shot in London. And uh, this is apropos of this viewer mentioning that you said you almost went broke. So I, I guess he's wondering if that had something to do with finances. I
2: I think that my commitment as a filmmaker is to make a movie as uh, precise and uh, as uh, detailed as possible. And I believe uh, that if you have to think to talk about um, selling of a company. Uh, there are very few places in Europe, and one is London. Why not?
1: So, so the, the question is, it, it seems to this viewer that there was never a safe environment for her in, in the home. And did you intend it to actually feel like an environment that wasn't safe?
2: I wouldn't say safe. I would say that uh, Emma, uh, she hasn't got a place uh, yet. In her life, she doesn't have a place. She has she's, she's been moved. Her identity is has been denied.
1: Mm-hmm. So it's not so much that she's not safe, but just that she's not
2: Co- herself. She's not, she's not. She's probably not herself. Yeah. She's always ready to do something. you know? She's working, actually.
1: I think you were about to say not comfortable. I, I think you might have been maybe just not comfortable in her skin in these places, perhaps. What is the film that's on the television she's in bed with her husband, and why did you choose that? Because it's Philadelphia.
2: It's Philadelphia by Jonathan Demme. Mm-hmm. I mean, I choose it because... Uh, for the deliberate uh, um, pleasure of pay, pay, paying, paying homage of one of my greatest heroes, Jonathan Demme, a master director, and I don't know him, but I believe he's a great human being. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> he
1: sat on the stage probably right where oh you my are. Oh, so, I'm going to faint. We'll, we'll get you together.
2: <laughs> and uh, there is a direct quote oh, from that movie when uh, Tom Hanks is... Uh, expressing himself to, to Joe Miller, played by Denzel Washington, uh, thang, singing with, for him le, the Andrea Chenier, the Aria La Mamma Morta, and he says, I am love, I am divine. It was, a very, it was the, the, the didascalic moment of the movie. The
1: scene when she speaks to her son and they're speaking in Russian, and to this viewer, it seemed like it added sort of an intimacy to it, and why did you choose to have them speaking Russian in that scene?
2: Uh, they speak in Russian uh, at the beginning of the movie, they speak in Russian a few times, the mother and son, Eduardo and Emma, they do. They do in the kitchen, they do in front of the door at the beginning uh, in the of the house. Um, my mother is Algerian and uh, um, I don't speak uh, Arab, Ara- Arabic and I believe this is because she really wanted to she has been, my mother has been pulled away from her family in Morocco because of her choice to marry um, a Western man, a non-Muslim probably, uh, and I think that she had to close, shut down this door, where I think Emma tries to keep that a little bit open the door, talking to Russian, to the son. is the moment, it's, it's, that's why this son cannot confront, uh, uh, that his mother has an emotional life that goes beyond the role that she has as a mother and as a wife mm-hmm. in the family.
1: So this viewer is, is, is seeing uh, more um, uh, sort of homoerotic sort of references, wondering if the, the choice of, um, of Philadelphia also had something to do with this. If you were, if, if she, is she wrong to see more sort of homoerotic references in this film?
2: I believe that, uh, relationship among people are uh, informed by very, uh, uh, that by at least two uh, languages, an inner and an outer language, and I believe that uh, the denial of your feelings or the um, uncomfortableness in dealing with your feeling uh, and not trying and, and, and the labelling of it uh, makes a lot of error. You make you make a lot of error. I don't particularly would thematize it as a homoerotic or homosexual undercurrent. I think that Eduardo was uh, jealous of both. And as uh, the great Bertolucci says, when you're jealous, you're jealous of both.
1: Um, I think we have time for just one more question. All the way in the back there. Can you talk about your camera and the director of photography?
2: Yorick Lesso is... uh, He pretends he was born the same year of mine uh, because we shared the birthday, 10th of August, but he's a little bit older. Um, (laughs) And uh, he worked with Olivier uh, Sayas, Nico Papatakis, uh, and uh, um, Francois Ozon, Eric Zonka. He did a movie with Tilda called Julia, um, that probably somebody saw uh, because it's been released uh, by Magnolia. In, in America, not last year, right? Um, uh, what can I say? It's great. It's fantastic. It's a great, I think it's a masterful DP. Uh, so far, it's the most uh, uh, exciting and compelling and uh, uh, rewarding collaboration I had with a DP. Um, we went through a lot of paintings to understand what this movie should have looked. We really looked for this great painter of the early 20th century in, in Italy called Giovanni Boldini, who was a great painter of the affluent society at the time. Um, he did the, one of the most important portraits of the Marchesa Casati, for example. And we also watched looked uh, paintings from the Russian uh, avant-garde, particularly Punyi and Malevich and um and finally we also studied uh, the the work of an of a contemporary russian american painter called matt levinstein that we really felt was very interesting for the movie and to achieve the 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 texture the kind of light color and composition we wanted we decided to stick in uh, Working on the old fashion, which is uh, not using the digital intermediate color correction, digital color correction that is now uh, used uh, uh, normally, and I believe it's a backward thing. It's not a forward thing. It's forward is to use the digital cameras and to, uh, even though still the digital camera that cannot uh, uh, achieve the same. Um, level of quality of the film but to, use, to shoot in film and then to correct in digital the images I think it's, it's not good and uh, we work at the chemical and I'm very proud of the results
1: um, I'd have other questions to answer for that but we don't have time Luca thank you so much thank for you, this wonderful you, film and we thank all of you yay